Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, how we doing? We good? Yeah. Woo, there we go. We were good enough for it the second time. Y'all good today? Everybody's good? Hey, well, welcome today. You've already been greeted. Hopefully somebody's made you feel welcome, whether it's your first time or your 1,000th time to be with us. I don't know if we've had a 1,000 Sundays, but uh, it's been a lot, and I'm glad you're here for any of them. Even if you're watching us online today, welcome to you as well. And uh, just for a second, if you would, if you don't mind, I asked for this at the beginning of our 915 service as well. Uh, if you would indulge me, uh, my wife, Corey... Last night around 11.30 or so, had a really bad allergic reaction to some medicine that she took. And so we tried to get, uh, tried to get her kind of calmed down, her body calmed down at the house and took some other medicine that we've had before uh, to, to do that. And it just didn't work. And so we had to take her to Northside Cherokee and took her to the ER. And she's still there. And uh, because of COVID, they won't let me be there. And so I have FaceTimed her pretty much for like 10 or 11 hours straight. Uh, thankful that the nursing staff there has got a little iPad set up on the bed there so I can talk to her and see her. But if I can't be with her, then I would like to be with you guys. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Um, if you would, can we just pray for her? Her name is Corey. If you've never had the chance to meet her, um, she's the nicest person in the history of the world. Um, and uh, I'm not even kidding. Uh, right now, what we're praying for specifically is we're praying for her heart rate to come back down into normal uh, realms. All the medicine that they had to give her to get the reaction under control, her heart will not kind of go back to a resting heart rate. And um, so they're giving her additional medicine. They just um, did some additional testing and things. And so we're just praying and believing that God would touch her. So would you join me right now in prayer? She knows we're praying for her. She's going to be embarrassed that I made a deal out of it. And that so the next time she sees you and you're like, hey, how was your trip to the hospital? She'd probably act like she didn't even go. So, um, but she's there. And so we just want to pray for her. If you would join me. God, we thank you that you hear us when we pray. And God, right now, I join with these that are here and these that are watching online and those in a previous service, God, just to lift up Corey right now. I pray for that you would touch her body. I pray, God, that you would touch her heart. I pray that the blood would flow the way it's supposed to flow and the muscles would pump the way they're supposed to pump and nothing else would happen in the way that it's not supposed to. And so, God, we pray that this reaction would just be completely gone from her body. Medicine would work. All the doctors and technicians and nurses that have been amazing God, we thank you for them. We thank you for their skill set and their passion to serve people. But Lord, we look to you for healing, and we ask you now to do that in her body. So God, I pray now with full faith and confidence that you can, that you would touch her and that she can leave that place and come home. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you so much for your prayers. I really appreciate it. We'll keep you posted, uh, but we're believing she'll be home here in just the next couple of hours. Uh, you know, you heard over the last few minutes that there's a lot of great things that have happened and a lot of great things that are happening here at Generations Church. It was a great weekend, the fall retreat for our youth group. Uh, Corey and I have three kids in the youth group right now, so we kind of popped our head in a couple of different times. Just a really great weekend. I'm thankful for Pastor Aaron and the team of Generation Youth Leaders and all that they do to invest in the next generation. That's what we believe in here at Generations Church. One of our main things is that we would equip the next generation. And so I'm thankful for this team that did that. It was a great weekend. And then you heard about all the things that are coming up, Friendsgiving. I am not 18 to 27, but if I heard there's great food, I may be 27 and some experience tonight for that. So I encourage you to be a part of that if you fit in that age group. Uh, but there's a lot of great things. A couple other things that I want to make you aware of that are just not advertisements, but they're planning for you. So you can put them on your calendar. December the 6th 
is our kids' Christmas service. So our kids are going to come. We're going to have babies to fifth graders, a part of that service. So we're going to have a little baby parade. It is going to be awesome. Our preschoolers are going to come in and lead you in some Christmas songs. Our grade schoolers are going to come do that. You do not want to miss it. Here's the deal. I've been in ministry a long time. My favorite Sunday, other than like baptism Sunday every year, is kids' Christmas because you just never know what's going to happen. Like Mary may slap Jesus or we, we all may be singing Easter songs. You just never know. Somebody may throw a bell. So like you want to be here for that one. And that's one you, don't, you, can't, uh, you can't really miss. So it's going to be an awesome day. And then as you're making your Christmas plans, we are going to celebrate Christmas together at Generations Church the weekend of December 18th and 20th. So that Friday night at 7 p.m. and then Sunday morning at 9, 15, and 11, December 20th, three identical candlelight services that I think are going to be a really special expression of Christmas here at Generations Church. So if you're leaving town to head out for the week of Christmas, be with us on that Friday night, maybe leave on Saturday. If you're not and you're going to be in town, join us on Sunday, 9, 15, or 11. You'll hear more information, but just as you are planning for your Christmas schedules, I wanted you to be able to pencil that in to your calendar. It's going to be a really great time. Today, I I am in week two of the series that Pastor Trevor started last week called Thanks Living. And last week he talked to us about how to live thankful lives and he helped us to understand that thankfulness is not just something that you think, it has to be something that you do. Or if I was to sum it up in my words, I would say that you can't just think thanks, you've got to do things. thanks, right? You can't just think thanks, like it's not just enough to be up here, you gotta do something with it to actually show thankfulness. And so he told us the story of the 10 lepers and how only one of them went back to thank Jesus for his healing and he said that we wanna be like the one. We want to go back and express thankfulness to those that have done something for us. And so he gave you a little thank you card and he encouraged us to write a thank you card to someone between now and Thanksgiving. And so I encourage you to do that even if you weren't here and you didn't get a card. If you want a card, I think they may have some in the lobby today or we can give you one or you can go to the Dollar Tree and get you one. But I encourage you to take some time and write a thank you card to someone that you are thankful for. Four. So if last week was about you can't just think thanks, but you've got to do think thanks, right? And I can tongue twister there. Then today I want to talk to us about a word that as soon as I say it, you're going to go, well, that's the same thing, but it's really not. I want to talk to us about gratitude. And when I think about gratitude all week long and, and really even a few weeks ago as we started thinking about this series, I was trying to differentiate what is thankfulness and what is gratitude. And the best way that I could describe it is I started to kind of flash back to when I was a child. So when I was a kid, um, I, I am the oldest of my family. I have one sibling. I have a younger brother who at various times in my life, including right now, is, is honestly like my best friend. And at other times in my life, he was my bitter rival, right? So if we were in this church when I was a kid and it was like, hey, we're going to go load up the car. Mom and dad said, hey, we're leaving. We would race to the car because we're gonna figure out who's faster in that instance. Uh, no matter what we were doing, it was always a competition. It was always a battle. We only got in one actual fist fight in our life. Now we wrestled and fought and argued all the, all the time, but we only got in one fist fight in our entire childhood. And you're never gonna believe what it was over. It was actually over who got to pick dinner one night when our parents were out of town and the babysitter gave us the choice. And it turned into, no, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. And somehow it went to blows and we were punching each other in the face over the choice for dinner. I'm not proud of it. I won, so I'm a little proud of it. But other than that, 
uh, you know, we were bitter rivals, right? And I remember some times where, like, I was just convinced, like, there's no way that two people who are so different could actually come from the same set of parents, and so after I had I'd grown up and I went to college and I left and got married and, and I think we already had maybe a child or maybe even two at this point, I guess maybe just one from where we were living at that point, I was on the phone with my brother one day and nobody can make me laugh like my brother, but nobody can make me mad like my brother. And so this was one of those, he was making me mad. I don't remember what we were talking about, probably what we wanted for dinner that night or something. We're grown adults and I could not believe the things he was saying. Like I was so angry about it. And so as soon as that call was over, I slammed the phone down. Now, those of you that are under the age of about 30 don't even know what it means to slam a phone down. You're like, why would you throw an iPhone on the ground? I don't understand why you would do that. So there was like an actual device, but you just Google it. It'll be awesome. So I slammed the phone down, and then I picked the phone back up full of aggression, and I called my mom, and before she could say hello, I said, hey, mom, listen, I need you to be honest with me. Don't lie to me. I need you to be gut-level honest with me. Do not even tempt yourself to lie to me, even one little bit. She was like, okay, I, I promise I'll tell you the truth. I was like, Jason's adopted, right? Like, there's no way that we are from the same two, like, there's no way this is possible. But here's what happened. When we were growing up, my dad, he's an external processor. He would want us to talk it out. Why, why do you let him make you that mad? And why is this? And why is that? And I just would walk into their bedroom on several occasions and say, just one time, can you just let me punch him one time without getting in trouble, please? And my mom would respond with some variation of this phrase. Well, you know what you need. You need an attitude adjustment. Anybody ever heard attitude adjustment? I, I, I swore I would never use that as a parent. Man, I use it a lot now, right? I'm like, well, you just need an attitude adjustment. If you don't get an attitude, I'll give you an attitude adjustment, you know? And, and so today, I want to talk to us about gratitude as an attitude. And I want to talk to us about how to have a gratitude adjustment. Because I think for so many of us, we are thankful for some things. There's some things that we are thankful for. There's some things that we like about our life and we, we appreciate that we have or the relationships or whatever it is. But I think there is a difference in thankfulness and gratitude. And so today I want to talk about the attitude of gratitude. And to do so, I want to talk about four ways to have a gratitude adjustment. Four ways to have a gratitude adjustment. Maybe you write this down, put it in your phone that you will never slam down, by the way. So four ways to have a gratitude adjustment. The first way is to choose your focus. Choose your focus. Psalm 103, verse one through five says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with the steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And as I think about this passage of scripture, a very famous passage of scripture, I recognize that for me to bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, it recognizes that it's feelings and it's attitude that I'm asking to rise up and to bless the Lord, to really express something to God. It comes from the inside of me. It's not an external thing. It's an internal decision that I would choose to bless the Lord, that I would have an attitude of gratitude. And, and so then I start to unpack what the psalmist is writing here. He says, and forget not all his benefits. What this requires of me is to choose what I'm going to focus on. Because we have a choice. We do have a choice on the things that we kind of put our attention to. And what the psalmist is saying is that we can bless the Lord when we forget not all his benefits. There are some benefits to being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
It's not just a get out of hell free card. It's not just about getting to heaven. I think that's an important part of it. But I think if heaven was the only thing that mattered, as soon as you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he'd have taken you right there. There's something for you to do on the earth. And so if that's the case, then it requires me to recognize what are those benefits? What is it in a relationship that's important? Well, I think we, we remember that there's some benefits here, and some of those are spelled out here. He forgives our iniquities. He forgives those mistakes that you've made, those things that you've done that separate us from him, the sins of our life. He heals our diseases. We just prayed about that a minute ago. He redeems our life from the pit. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but anybody ever found themselves in a pit? Decisions that you made that led you there, maybe like Joseph, someone else's decisions led you into a pit through no fault of your own, and yet God raises us up out of that pit to do the things that he's destined for our life. He crowns us with his steadfast love and mercy, which we do not deserve. And he satisfies us with good so that we rise up. We're renewed like the eagle's wings. And so the idea here for me as I'm, as I'm reading through this, it's like, satisfies me. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe my focus is on what I don't have rather than what I do have. Maybe my focus is on what I have in my hands instead of, or maybe my focus is not on what I have in my hands, but my focus is actually on the things that I'm still desiring. I can't be fully satisfied because I don't yet have all that my neighbors have or my friends have or the other families on the ball team has or the kids in our school. Like I, if, I, if I focus on those things, then I, I kind of find myself constantly lacking, constantly looking And so it's difficult for me to bless the Lord all my soul and choose an attitude of gratitude because I'm constantly not satisfied, and so I can't focus on the right things. If I'm going to bless the Lord all my soul, i got to choose to focus on the right things. My mom's dad, his name's Paul Lanier, he passed away when I was a teenager, but he was a pastor and his adult ministry uh, and pastoring, he pastored a lot of uh, little churches, but I'm unbelievably faithful. One of my favorite things about, I call him Peepaw, one of my favorite things about Peepaw is that usually their house was right next to the church. And he would go to bed at night wearing his suit pants. He'd take his shoes off, but he'd wear his suit pants and his suit socks and his suit shirt is what he called it. He'd take his tie off over his head, but it was still tied, and he would hang it on the door handle, and he would take his jacket off, and he would hang it so that if anybody stopped by the church in the middle of the night and needed something, needed prayer, if somebody called and they needed him to go to the hospital, he could be ready at a moment's notice to come and to pray with them or to to meet them and hang out with them at the church as they really wrestled through some things. And so he always wanted to be ready. He was super faithful and an amazing pastor. And he had a little radio program, most of his ministry, and there were a couple of times when we were visiting him that I got to go to the radio station, and I'd get to hang out in the, in the studio and, and listen to Peepaw as he was starting his show, and every single day when he started his show, he quoted Psalm 118.24, and he said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice I'll have an attitude of gratitude no matter what I have in my hands, no matter what the circumstances are around me. I'm choosing to focus on the fact that this day has been destined for me by creator God, a God who is so big that he holds the earth in the palm of his hands, but so small that he knows the number of hairs on my head, that he knows what I need even before I ask it. So no matter what I'm walking through, I can trust and believe and focus on the goodness of God. Psalm 107.1 says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is 
good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So the first thing we got to do to have a gratitude adjustment is we got to choose our focus. The second thing we got to do is we got to know where to take our junk. I tried to come up with a better way to say this, and I can't come up with anything better than this. And if I was a better preacher, like some of the people that I love to listen to and love to watch, I would come up with a really great way to alliterate this, and it would look awesome on a t-shirt, like take Jesus all your junk or something. I don't know. I'm not sure how to say it better. But you need to get a place to give your junk away. Because I understand that not every day is awesome. And some of the things that we walk through, they're not great. I told you, we had a tough night last night. We were up all night and we're waiting on doctors and waiting on nurses and trying to see if this medicine worked and that medicine worked. It was not the way we thought last night was going to go yesterday afternoon. And so what do we do? We just go, okay, well then, then where do I express my frustrations? Where do I vent the things that are going on in my life? And some of us, here's what we do. We suppress, 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 suppress. We just push it down, push it down, push it down, push it down. And it becomes toxic to our soul. Others of us, we just word vomit on everybody. Like whatever we're walking through, we just tell everybody all of our stuff and it's, it's all negative all the time. And that's not healthy either because it's toxic to our relationships. And so not everybody needs to know your junk, but somebody needs to know your junk. I think we start in the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. I think he wants us to trust him. He wants us to lean into him and to express what's in our heart. And I think we need to have another relationship or two or a couple, a spouse, a friend, a counselor, uh, uh, someone that we can give those things out of, get those things out of us so that they know what's going on in our heart. Look at this in Philippians chapter four, verse four, six, and eight. This is what the apostle Paul says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and whatever is noble and whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Well, let's start at the end right there. He says, these are the things you should be thinking about. And nowhere in there is it your frustrations and your problems and your circumstances. We think about the things that are true and right and noble and praiseworthy and excellent and admirable. So what do you do with the other stuff? Where do you go with all the other junk? Well, he starts by saying rejoice in the Lord always. Well, how do you rejoice if you're holding on to all this stuff that's not rejoice worthy? Like, what do you do with all that? Well, he gives us what we should do. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, everybody say every. In every situation, not just some situations, by prayer and petition. Thank you of all my oldest children. You're my favorite. And I just spilled that. So now you're not. Okay, so he was trying to help me. There was, the lid was off. Thank you for that, Cooper. So he's, here's what he says. He says, by prayer and petition. He says, we gotta make a list and we gotta give that list to God in prayer. We're not just walking up and saying, okay, I'm frustrated about some stuff. He's like, no, God, here's my junk. Here's some stuff. I wanna rejoice. I wanna rejoice always. And again, I say I wanna rejoice. And I wanna think about things that are true and noteworthy and praiseworthy and excellent. Like I wanna think about those things, but I've got all this other stuff in my head and it's making me anxious. It's making me frustrated I don't know what to do with that. He says, bring it all to me. 
And when you bring all that to me, here's the transaction. I'm going to replace it with a peace that will guard your heart and your mind that doesn't even make sense. It's almost incomprehensible the kind of peace that I can transfer to you to replace the anxiety and the fear and the doubt and the worry that you have in your life right now. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in everything that's not true and noble and right and pure and in all of those other things, just bring it to me in prayer, petition me and ask for a peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart, your feelings, your emotions, your attitude, and your mind, your thoughts, and I will give you that perfect peace. Science has actually shown us that people that live in a constant state of stress, they actually become the trainers of their mind in how they deal with stress. What they do is the acid that's produced from the hormone that is produced from living in a constant high level of stress and frustration, it rewires the brain to give us the default response to how we respond in high levels of stress. On the flip side, research also shows us that gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater levels of happiness, general better levels of health, uh, how to deal with adversity, build stronger relationships, be happier in marriage. And so those that feel and express gratitude, even in the midst of circumstances that are not ideal, are retraining their brains, and it's actually improving their physical bodies. So the Apostle Paul is not just saying, let me give you some spiritual advice in Philippians 4. He's saying, let me give you some scientific evidence that this will improve your life if you have an attitude of gratitude. If you choose what you focus on, and you have a process that you get your junk out of you, it will improve your life. Psalm 95 verse 2 says, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving and let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. If you read through the Psalms, and I encourage you to do it, if you read through the Psalms, don't they seem like the most schizophrenic thing you've ever read in your whole life? I mean, you start reading, it's like, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, and blot out my enemies and destroy them from the earth. God, man, I got a lot of enemies there's a lot of people that hate me. Man, I am really discouraged right now of how many people there are that actually hate me in the earth. But my, my, my home's in heaven, and so God, kill them all, and we love you. And we, I mean, it's like this emotional swing. That's okay. That's okay. As long as you can resolve it to say, I'm going to enter into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. I'm going to come to him. You know, I think that sometimes the most powerful kind of worship is a worship and a praise that comes in anticipation of the prayer that you're praying. When we praise God and we worship God on the backside of an answered prayer, it's still awesome, but it doesn't require as much faith. But when we worship God and praise God on the front end of our miracle, when we're saying, God, I thank you before you do what I'm asking you to do. God, I thank you. I praise you as I anticipate how creatively you might answer this prayer. You talk about the faith, the level of confidence in the power and might of God that you have to have to be able to lift your hands when you don't feel like lifting your hands. And to declare the truths of God, that he's the God of ages and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you're not sure God hears your prayers right now, to praise God in anticipation of what he will do. 
I think we choose our focus. We make sure we're thinking about the right stuff. And then we got to have a place to take our junk so that we can come to God and worship. The third thing, third way to get a gratitude adjustment is to keep some perspective. Keep perspective. James chapter one, verse two through four says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. As James is writing here, I recognize that there are some times in my life that I miss the truth of what he's saying right here. If I'm being honest, it's more than sometimes. It's a lot of the time. When I'm walking through anything that I would classify as a trial, I miss that James is telling me that without that trial, there are lessons about God that I can't learn. Without that trial, there are lessons about me that I can't learn. There are lessons about faith that I can't learn. And so I don't think for a moment that a loving heavenly father who wants to bless his children and wants good things for his children is desiring bad for you. I think that's the opposite of what we read in scripture. But I do believe that there are allowable things. I do believe as I read through scripture that there are moments in time that you and I would have not have written the stories that we read in scripture and yet God has ordained those moments, allowed those moments, created those moments, however you read into the story so that something could be accomplished on the other side of that that could not have been accomplished if they had not walked through that. And when I'm walking through those moments, I'm always praying, God, get me out of this. God, get me out. God, get me out. But why don't I start praying, God, help me learn as quickly as I can all that you're trying to teach me so that this will end soon. (laughs) God, let me learn. Open my eyes, open my heart. Because what James is telling us is that there is something he's trying to do. God is trying to perfect and complete us. And until we are perfected and completed, we still lack for something. And for us to lack for nothing, we've got to recognize trials as something we can be grateful for. We gotta keep a perspective and have an attitude of gratitude. And I don't know all that you're walking through. And I don't know all that you have walked through. And I'm not making light of that. I'm not trying to make it seem like it's nothing. It's something. But I am saying that I have to maintain a proper perspective to recognize that Isaiah 55 tells me that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The way that I view things and the way that God views things are completely different. And so I've got my phone, which may be ruined now. It's got so much water in it. But as I'm Thinking about how the the camera works on my phone, I recognize that I can zoom in, right? And so if I were to take my phone out and zoom on that chair, it would get down into like really detail of the, the fiber of that seed and that chair. And I might think that that's what that chair looks like. But if I zoom out, I see the chair and how the chairs fit together and how they make up the room and how they create a seat for you. And now I start thinking about you and community and people of faith and people coming to life to have life in Jesus Christ when I zoom out. But when I zoom in, I only think about whatever's in the lens right then. In my life, when I'm in moments and seasons of trial, I am zoomed in so much that I only see what I'm focused on. But when I zoom out, I get a better perspective of the larger story. The larger context that provides meaning and clarity for me to recognize that God has never left me. God has never forsaken me, that God promises to be close to the brokenhearted. So if I'm brokenhearted, it could be 
that my perspective needs to change to say, God, thank you for your closeness right now. I could be walking through this without you. Second Corinthians tells us that we don't grieve like those who have no hope. So as we grieve, we just say, thank you, God, that I have hope in the midst of my pain. And tra-. I'm not saying we just stick our head in the sand and go, man, this is awesome. I love everything that's happening to me. But if there's just a moment, if there's just a, a, a small moment in the midst of that, when I'm in my healthiest place in my relationship with God, where I can just push back, and I don't get this right all the time. I get it wrong probably more than I get it right. But if I can just push back and just with complete honesty, maybe joining, get my junk out and, and keep proper perspective. Like, God, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know why I'm walking through this. I don't know what this trial means. I'm not sure what you're trying to teach me. But God, thank you that there's a group of people that would join us in prayer this morning for Corey. Thank you that we're not just sitting around by ourselves trying to figure out what we're gonna do. Thank you that people have called and texted and helped us with our kids. And God, thank you for community. Thank you for relationships. Thank you that you're teaching me some things, God. When I'm walking through some stuff and I, I don't know why, I don't understand. If I could just push back, if I could just zoom out for a second, say, God, what are you trying to teach me, to perfect me, to complete me? so that I would lack for nothing. Because here's what I know. I'm still lacking. Would anybody be honest and say, I'm still lacking some. There's still some stuff in me that he's got to work out. And if he says that the only way to work it out is to put me through a test or allow me to walk through a trial for a moment or a day, but he walks with me in that, am I okay with that? I've got to keep perspective. And when I do, when I do, there is a part of my innermost being. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. There's a part of that all that is within me that can say, I've got an attitude of gratitude. Here's the fourth thing. If we're going to have a gratitude adjustment, here's the fourth thing. Just don't stop. Just don't. It's not just enough to do it yesterday. And it's not just enough to do it two Thursdays from now. And it's not just enough to do it on Sundays when we feel good about it. We just do it every single day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, very famous passage of scripture says this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Over the years of my ministry, and I know I look very, very young, 20 years in ministry now, and I started when I was like three, all right? I'm just kidding. Probably the, the question I've gotten the most in all the years of ministry is, what is God's will for my life? How do I know God's plan for me? How do I know if what I'm walking through fits in the plan of God or the will of God? What is the will? What is the plan? Like some variation of that question. And what we're reading right here in 1 Thessalonians is that the will of God is that we would rejoice always. And then we would pray without ceasing and that we would give thanks in all circumstances. So what does this mean? How do we unpack this? Well, to me, as I put these things together, it would imply that if I'm rejoicing always, if I'm recognizing that this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it, I'm just finding something to rejoice in every day, all day long. In the midst of trials, I find something to celebrate. I pull through Popeye's again and they're out of chicken. I'm be like, okay, I don't know. God, I don't know what you're teaching me. I don't know. 
But I went to Chick-fil-A, they had plenty of chicken. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus' chicken. Like, I don't know. I'm just, rejoice always for Chick-fil-A. All right, thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna find something to celebrate. Awesome, okay. Pray without ceasing. When I heard that as a child, and maybe you still think this thing, same, same thing, does that mean we just walk around praying all the time? Pray, 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 pray. Maybe. But I don't think, I don't think that that would imply that you have to be walking around with real high language for thou, O Lord, or a shield about me. I don't think that's what you got to do. I think it just means there's an open line of communication between you and God all day long. I'm walking into something, God, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Would you help me right here? God, man, that, that meeting went way better than I thought. Thank you, Lord, for preparing me and the heart of the person in the meeting. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, as I pray for this meal. I'm not just praying, Lord, bless this food. I'm thinking, God, thank you for the provision for this food. And thank you for the people that have jobs that made this food or for the owners and the restaurants and the businesses. And God, thank you for that. And thank you for good health. And I'm just, I'm thanking God. There's an attitude of gratitude and I'm finding a way to rejoice and to prayerfully communicate with God all day long and to give thanks in all circumstances. Finding something to be thankful for all the time. If that is the will of God, it implies a relationship with God in the good and in the bad. We prayed about Corey earlier. And I didn't say this in the first service. I was thinking about it in between services when I was, I was FaceTiming with her and talking to her between services. And we we're trying to figure out, you know, what the next steps were and what the doctor was saying. And, and I was thinking, and, and, and she's healthy and and there's people that are in far worse shape and, and have walked through greater battles than we've ever walked through, and I recognize that. But I was just thinking, we stood in Knoxville, Tennessee, and her pastor and my dad and her grandfather were a part of that ceremony, and we pledged to one another, for better or worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Here's what we were saying. We don't just get to be married when we're rich. And we don't just get to be married when we're healthy. And we don't just get to be married when things are good. We also are married when days are bad and we are poor and we are sick. We are married. I think that's what we're talking about here in 1 Thessalonians. An attitude of gratitude says, I have relationship with you, God. I trust you, God, on the days that I'm not sure this is a good day you've created. And I'm trying to find the good and redeem the good. And I, I love you, God, on the days that I know you've redeemed and the days that I, I can see your presence all day long and I see your blessings. It's easy for me to rejoice in the Lord always when everybody in the room is singing my favorite song. It's more difficult to rejoice in the Lord always when I'm by myself sitting in the waiting room on a Thursday and there may be bad news behind that other door and I just don't know why I'm sitting here. Can I rejoice in the Lord in that moment? Can I have an attitude of gratitude in that moment? Thanks living is not just about living on the days that it's easy to be thankful. It's about living in the days that it's tough. And living in the days that you got a mind for something to be thankful for and you got to dig for something to pray and you got to dig for something to be thankful for and grateful for and praise God for and celebrate. Like I got to dig for that today, but God, I'm going to do it because I want to live out thanks and I want to have an attitude of gratitude. I think that's what we're called to. I tried to come up with a really great way 
to sum all of this up. I've already told you, like, I, I'm not a wordsmith like a lot of pe- pe- preachers and people that I love to listen to. I would love to be able to articulate it in ways that they do. But I was thinking about what Pastor Trevor preached last week and what I felt the Lord lay on my heart for this week. And it came out something like this. Thank you is fast, but gratitude lasts. It's easy, it's quick to say thank you. Thank you for what you just did. Thank you for my food. Thank you for this, thank you for that. Write a card, thank you for what you bought and what you did and that you came and thank you for this. And th- that's quick, that's fast. It doesn't take a ton of time, it takes some time, it doesn't take a ton of time. But there is a difference in a sense of gratitude. It lasts, it lingers. It's not momentary, it's not circumstantial. You walk away from someone that just has a grateful heart and it lingers with you all day long. I wanna be like that person. I mean, they're walking through some stuff and yet look, look at their attitude, look at their demeanor, look at their faith. Thank you is fast, but gratitude lasts. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody's looking around. If you're watching online, I ask you to participate in this moment. Just a moment of personal reflection between you and God. If you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I know that I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I have fallen short of the glory of God. And if that's you, welcome to the family. But if you would say that today and you say, I want to trust him with my eternity, he would forgive my sins and lead my life from this moment forward. Would you just lift your hand if you're in the room today? Thank you so much. If you're watching online, I encourage you, take that step, lift your hand, type it out in the chat. Let us pray for you today. Now, if you would say, Jeremy, I wanna, I wanna have an attitude of gratitude. I wanna change my demeanor, perhaps. I wanna keep the proper perspective. I wanna choose what I'm focused on. I wanna get some of the junk out of me or maybe do it in a healthier way. And I wanna make sure I do it every day. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. Those that are watching online, let us know so we can follow up with you or pray with you or walk this out with you. God, we thank you today. We thank you for prayer and we thank you, God, for response and we thank you for relationship that we do believe that this is a communication between us and the creator of the universe, the father of our lives. And so, God, I pray now for every person who's responded, ask you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. God, would you forgive their sins? We believe that you can. We believe that you do. And so, God, we ask you now, change their eternity. And we believe families and generations will be forever changed because of the decision they're making right now. And God, now I pray for those who want to have an attitude of gratitude. They're desiring to keep proper perspective and to choose what they focus on and to get the junk out of them and to not be anxious about anything, but to replace it with the peace that passes all understanding. And God, that we would live that out every single day because this is the day that the Lord has made and we'll rejoice and be glad in it. So God, let that be the truth and the reality of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.